you've got to get your energy levels up. I know it's humid outside. I know the air feels heavy, but you've got to just get yourself perked up for these weekly releases. I'm really full at the moment from our makeshift nachos. What went in the nachos? Leftover crisps, leftover tomato sauce, barbecue sauce and cheddar. Gourmet cooking with smoke and lime on yet another copper podcast. It was really good. I put chili oil in it too. It's a little bit spicy. Oh, but the crisps went soggy, so I don't know if I was a big fan. So, right, let's start. Yeah, let's start the podcast. But pros for the nachos were spice and flavour. Uh, downsides were sogs. Sogs. Just general <laughs> sogs. Uh, and with that, we will commence. I'm not going to open the podcast this week with Yes Everybody, because that seems to be getting tired only four episodes in. I'm just going to say welcome to episode five of Yet Another Couple Podcast. What are we talking about today, Shahini? Hello, everybody. Uh, I can't believe we're on episode five. I wrote it down today and I was like, whoa, that's like a milestone. Is it? <laughs> no. Um, yeah, sure, it's a milestone. Well, I didn't really think we'd last five episodes, to I be just, honest. I thought we'd get bored. I just don't think anyone's writing any tribute columns for... I am. You know, in my head, I'm like... There's a little mini-me doing a clap. But we thought we would talk about... How being... good we are today! No, no. <laughs> oh Not my bad. God. Um, about the fact that we are both bilingual. And celebrate different languages and the fact that we have grown up in a community with a lot of other friends as well who can speak more than one language and how cool that is yeah that's pretty cool and the fact that i'm super proud of it and we should all be proud if we can speak more than one language because honestly it's amazing that you can as a person yeah Uh, we have lots of friends who also speak more than two languages so multilingual i mean we'll come on to talk about a variety of topics today uh including how you define being bilingual you know what your mother tongue is and our experiences of learning these languages slash having these languages growing up um and how we kind of went on that journey from kids you know i guess like slowly learning two or three languages at the same time to adults who actually then are proud of that whole process um I probably also want to state for the record, I don't really class myself as bi or or multilingual purely because I don't see myself as fluent enough in Bengali or Hindi to say, yes, I am definitely a native level speaker. Whereas for you, I would say you are 100% a fluent Bengali speaker um, and your Bengali is as usable as your English, right? Whereas mine isn't. So Are we allowed to speak in Bengali in this podcast, or is that too weird? <laughs> I would say you can, but I would say expect our listeners to feel... Inc- Confused. And alienated, and but happy, because Bengali is a really happy-sounding language, I feel. It is. It's a very round-sounding language. A, it's a cuddly-sounding language, I would say. Well, I've never heard that. Although you have said that to me before, and I've, I've been a bit, like confused as to why you would think that because I guess I understand all the words so I can't listen to it just as a sound I understand all the words yep whereas I think sometimes you can listen to depending on what the Bengali is like yeah, if it's yeah. like you know home style almost slang Bengali versus like proper Bengali which is in movies or poetry or singing yeah 
Um, but uh, to me, they all sound like words, so I can't think of it as a sound. No. Anyway, so the two languages we're probably going to be focusing on today are Bengali and English. A little, um, bit, li- of... little bit of Hindi as well. Yeah. Um, but not European languages, even though we did learn some European languages in school, but I wouldn't say either of us are like fluent in any of them. We just know like really basic stuff. I think there was a point when I was in sixth form where I would have counted myself as approaching fluency in French. Like I was able to have pretty structured, meaningful conversations to a good degree. I I think I just let it go at that point. Um, Just because it's difficult to find native French speakers where I went, like where we went to uni and stuff. Like it's just not easily done um, and it takes a lot of effort really to keep it up but you're right for the purpose of today we are generally going to be talking about Bengali uh, and English with a bit of Hindi bit of Hindi um, and for those of you who may not know too much about Indian languages there are many many languages across India I don't want to put an exact number on it because I think there's also different dialects with a lot of languages um, but pretty much every 100, 150 kilometers, you'll probably find a different dialect, if not a different language, with some different script as well. I think I've, So there, it's very complicated. <laughs> are there in excess of 200 languages in India? Is I don't really right? want to put a number because I, I don't, don't know. But, but I think we are talking. I'm sure you guys can check. <laughs> we are talking that level of scale. We're not talking three or four or even five languages that yeah. predominate. Although the national language is contentiously Hindi. Yeah. Some people do. Uh, like, you know, kind of disagree with that being yep. the national language, but it is the national language. It is. And it's also not to say that everyone in India does speak Hindi. Most people will understand basic level of Hindi, but actually also most people also understand English as yep. well because of, you know, the historical past and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but Hindi is very, very common across India. And I actually never formally learnt Hindi, I fully learnt it from watching Bollywood movies, which is a, a very strange thing to explain. Um, I've never learnt it in school. Like Bengali, my parents spoke it. I speak it to my parents. Mm. I also did go to school in India when I was little, so I did formally learn it. But Hindi, I can actually understand literally all Hindi. I don't need subtitles to watch movies and listen to music. But I've never actually learnt it. It was fully self-taught. From Bollywood. Yeah, from Bollywood. All hail Bollywood. Woo! Is that what you dramatically act out dying scenes with a regular No, I don't do frequency? that. Yeah. I do sing off tune often, but you know, that's nice. When alone in the car, usually. Yeah, I'm often just like, you know, having a little karaoke with myself. But anyway. Um, we digress. <laughs> we're just gonna be talking about how we grew up with these languages and what makes us bilingual. Yeah, well, Yes, I suppose that is... When you say what makes us bilingual, again, the caveat is I don't see myself as the same way you see oh, yourself. What makes me bilingual? Whoa, that's <laughs> But yeah, generally, what is it like swimming in this environment of different languages around us with people teaching you with semi-purposeful methods of like trying to get you to be good at these languages? What's your mother tongue? Bengali, for sure. Yeah? Yeah. What's yours? English. Yeah. I just think it's, it's what you first picked up. However, I think the, the whole concept of what your mother tongue is, is in itself up for debate. Like, mm-hmm. yes, technically speaking, it's the, f- it's the first language you learn, and it's, your, it's what you speak the best. 
However, culturally speaking for me, I would like to be able to say that Hindi and Bengali are both my mother tongues and that I know English. You know, like that's... It's in the same way that I like to say that I support India when I watch cricket. <laughs> yeah. But I've grown up Don't playing and watching cricket in England. Especially when they're against England, we always support India. Yeah. It's weird, isn't it? Even though we're British. Hmm. So I don't know if that's <laughs> clinging onto some vestiges of my culture that I'm trying to, you know, keep hold of by... So isn't... Okay, wait. Isn't, is mother tongue what you learn first or is it what your default language is? Um... What's the difference? I don't know. I don't know whether your mother tongue is what you identify as, like, the language of your ancestors and your culture or whether you identify it as, like, what you speak. Hmm. Uh, to me, that's... To me, mother tongue implies the languages of your forefathers... Oh, I see. ...that you should know and that should come semi-naturally to you by your parents teaching you by whatever. Yeah, fair enough. Well, I'd still say it was Bengali for me because it was the first language I learned at home and in school because I was born and went to school in India for the first like nearly decade of my life and I still speak it with my parents my grandparents and basically everyone in my family um, sometimes to you as well and I mean I speak English just it's English is still my default language I think yeah well it is but I wouldn't class it as my mother tongue just because of how I grew up. Fair enough. When do you think you can count yourself as bilingual or multilingual? I don't know. Is there a technicality to it? Um, I, mean, I did a bit of research on this beforehand. Um, I suppose the real definition of being bilingual is that you need to have um, fluency in both languages and it doesn't specify whether that needs to be to an equal degree but certainly fluency implies that you're you know fully functional with that language um, yeah uh, and I think also hmm. some people define fluency as when you start to dream in that language um, and when you're kind of unconsciously thinking in that language uh, as much as you are the other language you speak in yeah, I don't know how to differentiate that, actually. Because, okay, so uh, for me, this experience is... Firstly, I never even thought about it till we started having this conversation maybe a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. But I actually learned English as opposed to learned Bengali, yep. if that makes sense. Like, I was just brought up with Bengali. Yeah. And then when my parents moved to the UK, and then I obviously... Well, I learned English in school, for sure. Mm. But it was, like, almost as our friends would have learnt French or Spanish in school, so yeah. it was like that. It was like the second language that you learn. Mm -hmm. um, but then when I moved to the UK, I think that's when I actually learned English. Well, whatever primary school kids speak as English, I don't think it's proper English. Um, and I don't, I don't, I don't really know. Like I would, I would class myself as bilingual because I dream in Bengali just as often as I dream in English. So maybe that makes me, like, very subconsciously fluent in both. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would be the definition. And I think along with fluency, obviously, goes your vocab. So how many words do you think you know yeah. within each language? Do you think that... Uh, so I, I guess for myself, I see myself as a predominantly English speaker who has partially learnt enough Bengali and Hindi to get by in order to like watch films and to have conversations with family and stuff um, I don't think my vocabulary is good at all when it comes to Bengali and Hindi I think I've got a pretty good English vocabulary 
do you think your vocabulary is equal in both languages, Bengali and English, or do you think it's better in one than the other? I think it's probably equal. Yeah. In that both are quite bad. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> Interesting you say that. I was doing a bit of reading before this podcast because I wanted to come from some sort of place of knowing something. Um, really interesting professor of linguistics uh, who unfortunately died in 2018 uh, very young but um, his name is Albert Costa and he wrote a book called The Bilingual Brain which I really want to read now but I've been sort of reading reviews into that book and summaries and breakdowns of the book um, because I can't actually find the actual book online for free yet Um, and in it it seems that bilingual people through learning two languages have to compromise somewhere and often that compromises in the vocabulary you are able to hold for each language so it's actually aha see i have an excuse for not good vocabulary now yeah sure um but it's part and parcel of learning two languages in that you actually the amount of the amount of processing power essentially required to be able to quickly switch between languages fluently and almost without thinking in, inevitably impacts on how much you can actually store and like how much access to that language you have. But surely that's not the case for like professional linguists who like have to train in multiple languages and they have to be able to switch. No, I, I imagine for not. For their jobs. But for, for someone who is a... Like a casual. Yeah, ca- yeah, yeah. Like a casual bilingual or like a... Like we can call them, you know, like a cultural bilingual where you're like, you're raised in a different culture to where you're born. Right? Yeah. Like you were raised in an Indian culture, born Well, in this UK, makes right? perfect sense because I don't really know that many words in English. Mm. Or Bengali, if I really think. Well, I know enough to get me by on a, you know, day to day basis. But, like, there's a lot of words that I will just tune out. And it, it might be because I have no space in my brain. Uh, Woo! Interestingly, the idea of tuning out words that don't make sense to you, i.e., getting rid of what we call flankers meaning F-L-A-N-K-E-R-S, like things on the flank. Yeah, yeah. So that, that is things on the periphery of what it actually means to understand the sentence. So people who are bilingual are much better at that process of essentially getting rid of stuff... Yeah, I'm good at this. <laughs> that, ..that isn't necessary. So actually what you're doing in your brain is you're triaging every sentence you read and thinking, do I need to know that word in order to make this sentence make sense? And if the answer is no, then you fill it in with context. And that's a bilingual brain thing. Oh my god, wow, this is like an insight into my own brain. I do this so often and like... I have noticed that. You have picked it up so much in the past where like... So like I love reading actually and I do read a fair amount of books. You read more than I do. Yeah, um, but I just don't really know that many long words and generally in conversation, Riddle's the one using like slightly longer words in like, you know, particular instances. And then he'll be like, why don't you know what that word means? And I'm like, I'm sure I've read it somewhere and I get the gist of it. Um, But it's because when I read stuff, a lot of the time, um, if it's like a completely unfamiliar word or something, like what most people will probably do is look up the word, find out what it is. I just take the context of the sentence and I continue reading. So I don't like spend time learning an entirely new word. Sometimes I do, but I'd say like 50% of the time I wouldn't do that. Interesting. I just move on. 
Another really interesting uh, little factoid uh, from this, which I think you'll enjoy, dear listeners, and also... Me. You. Who's learning so much about myself. Yeah. Ah! Uh, Through through the teachings of Albert Costa. Yeah. um, Is the cost of change. Remember when I used to, like, sleep talk for a lot, like, while in the middle, and you'd always tell me that I was sleep talking in Bengali? Yeah, yeah, always. Yeah. You'd, You'd tell me, like, essentially to translate sentences, like, no, don't go over there. Or like, <laughs> no, don't do that. But like in Bangla, which and is I quite, have no memory of this. Quite distressing, obviously, to hear that, because um, I'm like, what has happened to you? Yeah, I'm speaking you? in tongues. Yeah. <laughs> like, what, in my sleep. What has happened here? But yeah, I think it's like um, I also used to find it very. This is probably the most challenging part. I used to find it very difficult when I was younger to like talk to my parents in English, in a diff- like kind of different accent, which I couldn't control in my head because. I knew my parents wouldn't really, I don't know, they'd obviously understand my accent, but like I felt they wouldn't, so I would have to like switch up my accent, but I never did it consciously, it was always just like something that flowed in and out, and that's probably what I used to be embarrassed of, speaking in an Indian accent, as opposed to actually just speaking in Bengali. Yeah, I used to do it all the time. It used to be like how I would, I would almost have a phone voice for my parents, when I was like on the bus home. Yeah, example. yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, you know, I'd have to make sure that I sound like properly British, which is what I'm not. <laughs> so I don't know why. I mean, again, it's just this strive, like striving to fit in into your school. Like going to school in the northwest of England, putting on a thick Indian accent to clean Yeah, parents, it was like, just not really something you'd even think was okay. <laughs> I, I was already, you know, not exactly the coolest kid at school. I didn't need that to like further lower my street cred, you know? What street cred? Exactly. Right, fine. I walked a fluffy Bichon Frise dog around our estate with a bright red lead and a bright red jacket. I didn't really have any street cred left to like continue to lose uh, cool points. points. <laughs> yeah, by like you know having this thick Indian accent when I spoke to my parents. So I think subconsciously, oh no, that's a lie. Consciously, I stopped doing that and just started speaking in my normal speaking. I've only accent. recently started doing that, probably in the last like two years or three years. Um, until then, I like. I mean, I still do it. I have to actually consciously speak to my parents if I am speaking to them in English, which is not very often. But if I am, I have to consciously speak to them in this accent, which I think is my normal, like, you know, everyday accent. Mm. Um, but it's very easy for me to switch into an Indian accent. Even from, like, not even for, like, sorry, not even parents, but, like, just anyone that's, like, Indian or not British. Oh. For some reason, my accent just changes. Yeah, this is something that is fully weird, and I've never seen <laughs> I've, I've not seen any other Indian person do this, so I, I can't generalise this to other Indians. But when... Rima speaks to someone who has any other ethnicity. <laughs> and I mean and I mean any other ethnicity. <laughs> We're talking like we've had people like who are like Italian Peru- people. Peruvian people, Italian people, you're like, oh yes, very nice, thank you. Yes, <laughs> Sorry, what what has happened? I can't control it. I don't know why it happens. I know it's happened when we've been abroad and like someone speaks to me in a different accent. My my brain gets confused and then I just speak to them in an Indian accent. Your brain is like, yes, also Indian accent. I will do this now. <laughs> I really don't understand. We're doing this now. We're doing it. Um, yeah, that's something I've never really And understood. you always like laugh in the background and, I, and then I realize and I'm like, okay, like I have to consciously not do that. But yeah, I don't know why that happens, actually. It's weird. And you know what? I somehow think Albert Costa won't know either. I, I think... He might be able to help. I oh, he's, reckon... He's passed away. He has passed away, sadly. He can't help. 
But I also reckon his life's work did not really answer that question because I reckon you're probably a unique piece when it comes to that. Just speaking in random Indian accent without being prompted to do so. Yeah, unsolicited Indian accents. Whoopsies. The best kind. What was your experience of swimming in these languages and... I thought you were just about to ask me what my experience of swimming was and I was really about to be thrown off. About turn, this podcast is now about, about swimming. swimming. <laughs> I'm like, um... Are you good at swimming? I, I can, like, I can manage to stay afloat probably. I don't think I'm, like, a swimmer. Cool, and that is a swimming podcast, guys. Back to language. <laughs> how did you find... How did you find growing up with Bangla at home, English at school, and with your friends outside, and trying to reconcile the two, and yeah, just just like tell me what that was like. I don't even think I saw any of it as a complication. I'll be honest. I just thought it was normal. I'm guessing you didn't realise the significance of what that meant for your like neurochemistry, if that makes sense. Like yeah. you, you didn't really think, oh, this is good for me to like be able to have. No, two I did. Yeah, no, I did. I think I. I'm really thankful, like so thankful that I am able to do that now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think when I, obviously I was growing up, I didn't even pay attention to it. I, I would just switch languages and I just thought that was normal to do so. I also did have some friends who similarly, you know, spoke Tamil at home or like... Um, Arabic at home. Yeah, Arabic at home. So like to them that was normal as well so mm. I didn't I didn't think I was like an odd person out or something no, for that no. um, I, I would definitely try not to speak Bengali in front of my friends um, which I think I still would do you know like unless it's like just a conversation that I'm having like for example if we're in a group now and my mom calls I'll speak to her in Bengali like I don't really I don't feel conscious about it um, but I think I would when I was little because I would probably think it was like weird for my friends or I was alienating them when actually it's just a separate conversation so it shouldn't really matter yeah, um, yeah. what about you because I know you've had quite like a different experience because you not like you spoke a bit of Hindi you spoke a bit of Bengali but your parents also don't speak the same language kind of like your dad does speak Bengali but like he also speaks Hindi so my 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 mum can speak Hindi but primarily she would choose to speak Bengali or English my dad is equally fluent in all three. Yeah, yeah. And also in Marwari. Yeah, so he's is, like multilingual. He's properly multilingual yeah. in four languages. And I would say, he, he, and he would probably say he can also have, like, have conversational language in like some other affiliated languages that are similar to Hindi and Marwari, like Punjabi. Like he kind of can speak a little bit of that. Okay. But not to the same level as like his Marwari or his Hindi. Yeah. So because of those... Mi- mix of languages um, I ended up well we ended up speaking English at home um, purely because I think it was probably in some ways a compromise um, between like my dad speaking Hindi, Bengali, Maori, whatever and my mum my mum's preference for English versus Bengali um, no your mum definitely prefers Bengali but yeah, yeah, she I does. Think, but I think when it came to, like, you know, learning one language at home to speak at home... Yeah. You know, like, I don't know how ready my dad was to just commit and say he's going to raise children that speak Bengali as their first language. Right. He doesn't identify as Bengali primarily, and I think he wondered whether it's more useful to become good at Hindi. 
a bent Bengali. Right, fine. Which is why growing up, I went to Hindi lessons and like that sort of thing, and like I learned how to read and write Hindi when I was like, he taught me, and he also I used to go to the mandir and they used to have like teaching on like temple. weekends. Temple. Sorry, temple. Uh-huh. Um, and that was when I was pretty young, and like it wasn't for a very prolonged period of time. And I didn't particularly get very good at it because I didn't do it for ages. Um, some people did GCSEs in it and stuff, but I didn't. Um, but it was something that I, you know, every now and then I would have dribs and drabs of like making efforts at home to speak in Hindi or Bengali. Um, but primarily, yeah, I ended up speaking English, and I, I, I do, I do regret it. I'll be honest. Like, it's nothing that you can change now, of course. And I feel like I, you know, I'm glad that I can still speak enough passable Bengali and Hindi to like get by day to day. I think you get like good at it like when we go to India for example Um, like whenever we've been for like you know period of two three weeks or a month like your Bengali definitely gets a lot better because when we visit Calcutta everyone speaks in Bengali it's just you're absorbing it from all directions and I I usually get good at it within like three or four days of like yeah 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 Um, my family's definitely like noticed this and told me this because like I think like it's similar to my brother like I think you're bilingual brain whatever that is like is quite similar to my brother's Mm. um where his default is english and he'd say his mother tongue is english but his bengali gets better and better as he you know maybe stays for a week in india even yeah um because you're absorbing it a lot and your brain's clearly ready to absorb it because it has like a foundation and then you get better but then when we come back to you know wherever I think you end up forgetting it through the year. You know, what's, what's really interesting, and I've noticed this the last few times, uh, we've been to India now twice together. Three well, times. Th- three times, yeah, of course. Three times. Yeah, three times together as, like, you know, as a couple. Um, and I think every time, because Rima's family all speak in Bengali, like, there's n- barely a word of English spoken. Yeah, very rarely. It uh, unless it's, like, with my cousins every now and then. But, yeah. like, yeah, pretty much. Uh, we I, say speak, but they shout in Bengali. Yeah, shout in Bengali. <laughs> I don't know whether I find the volume of conversation in terms of, like, how loud it is tiring or just the fact that I'm having to constantly think and reply in Bengali. I think, yeah. I think because I'm not fully bilingual, probably, or I don't exercise those muscles, like, I'm just so tired. Like, after a day of speaking Bangla non-stop... I'm just like mentally fatigued and clearly that doesn't happen to you like clearly that's not an issue for you yeah I've definitely noticed this like every now and then there'll be like days when we're like on holiday back home and um Rizal's just like completely zoned out and I'm like do you need coffee and then you're just like no I'm fine and I'm like are you sure like you look a bit dead behind the eyes but it's probably because you're processing it's a lot of processing power it's like it's honestly like trying to learn it's just yeah it's, it's that kind of constantly trying to switch on and you know you're you can't sit back and just like take in the conversation conversation. you're actively listening to every single aspect of things you're trying to make a meaningful contribution yeah so it's difficult for me yeah i feel like my parents do this a lot with you well my dad particularly like he'll just speak to you a lot like because he he'll speak to me the same but I have to remind him, like, quite often to be like, don't speak the same way to you, because, like, I feel like you switch off every now and then, and, like, or you just don't know the meanings of a lot of words, but you won't ask, and you try and get the gist of it, but you can't with Bengali, because there are so many more words. But it's difficult to, like, uh, to stake my claim here, it's it's difficult, or, or to stand my ground, it's difficult to kind of interject when someone is speaking at you in fluent whatever, Yeah, when there's say, like a... I don't understand that word, I don't get that word, yeah, I don't get that word. Yeah. Like, you can't just interrupt someone essentially every four or five words, which is how often it would be for me. And just say, oh, I don't get that. I don't know that word. 
10. That's why I kind of don't do it. And I, I kind of do what you do with English to some extent. I just Yeah, you like get the context. I get it. the gist and I kind of understand what you're talking about, even if I don't understand every single word. Interestingly, um, this whole concept of not confusing your kids is something that's been debunked. So uh, when we were kids growing up, I think some some people probably b- bought into the idea that if you try and teach your kids a language at home that's different to the language they'll speak with their peers, they'll end up... Confused. Confused. Like, they'll end up mixing languages, not really making sense in either language. Um, but actually, again, same dude, my guy, Albert Costa, figured out through many years of research um, that newborns and children under the age of one have this like remark honestly staggering capacity to intuit language in a way that adults can only dream of yeah because it's just you're like almost subconsciously just absorbing absorbing um so i've got some again like really cool facts because like there's three facts that i just thought were like amazing in terms go of go for it hit me with the facts newborn babies and we're talking like hours old yeah can detect language changes so they can tell if two different humans are speaking different languages Ah. they can't tell the content of any of it but they know that they're different for every reason next thing is when you're four to six months old you can already detect a difference between two languages just by looking at how the mouth moves you're not even listening necessarily to what the content of what they're saying is but you know that that french speaker moves their mouth differently to articulate to that English speaker which is again bloody incredible and I think that's like a skill that like lip reading essentially is a skill that you, you'd think would take years and years to develop but it seems comes fairly naturally to newborn children um, fact three and fact three <laughs> by eight months you can tell the difference just by looking at mouths alone so the movement of your mouths yeah. between two languages that you've never even heard before so Ooh, okay. an English and French speaking child say yeah. or someone who's grown up listening to English and French say yeah. they then listen to someone speaking Arabic and Italian they yeah. can then tell that Arabic and Italian are not only different from each other but they're different from French and English also different from the two languages that they've heard so far that's very clever isn't which it which is very clever which shows the brain's ability to start to compartmentalise languages and learn them for what they are in their own entities so should we technically be teaching children definitely more than two languages or one so. uh, more than one language at least. yeah i think so and yeah i think there was um I, it was definitely a myth because i remember like i mean i was quite young and i was kind of also born into bengali so it was different for me but when my brother was born and we have a pretty big age gap um a lot of people i think suggested to my parents that we don't speak in bengali at home which they fully ignored but Obviously, it worked out for the better because my brother does understand Bengali pretty fluently, I would say, and he can also like converse in it very well. Yeah. And he obviously learned English because he went to school every day. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, there you go. You won't confuse your kids. Just teach them different languages and let them learn different languages and immerse them in them, and they will be able to tell the difference themselves. You don't even need to say that's one language and that's another. How... You might not know the answer to this, but how late can does that like absorption process like stop like because there's a, definitely a point where like you need to put effort into learning a language so right? I knew this from beforehand but apparently 
the age of 15, roughly, is yeah. the cutoff Fine. where your neuroplasticity for a new language stops growing. This explains my Hindi learning. So, like, if you learn, if you get in and you lay the foundations for learning a language before that age, your capacity to remember it in a meaningful way is far better. Your likelihood of retaining it is far better than if you try and learn it at a later age. It's not to say that you can't learn a new language after... No, of course not, but you probably need to put a bit more effort yeah. and, like, a conscious, like, you know, learning. It comes less naturally. This completely explains my Hindi learning because, you know, from the age of, like, 8 till about 12, all I did was watch Bollywood movies, like, two a day, probably, so... And now you know a lot of Hindi. Oh, yeah, this is really interesting, guys. Another interesting thing... A lot of my friends probably won't know this. But I feel like only S. Banerjee does... Which is, <laughs> listen to English songs and theoretically know what the words are, but retain none of it. Like, literally, an entire song will go by and I'll be like, oh, do you remember, like, do you remember the tune of that chorus? Nope. Do you remember any, do you remember the hook, like, the line in the chorus? Nope. Nothing. That very little of it will be retained. However, I can listen to one Bollywood song. Once. I will know who the singer is, I know what the words are. <laughs> Great. It's weird. It's very strange. I've never ever tried to understand this myself till we spoke about it, probably during university. Yeah, and I was like, why don't you know most pop songs? Most of because like you had heard them, and like obviously, if you've just existed as a human in England for twenty odd years, you yeah. have heard these songs. You've not been living under a rock as well. Like I, I obviously. Yeah. No. Like I have friends who listen to music, and like I also listen to music with people. I just completely don't retain any music knowledge that isn't Bengali or Hindi. So if there are any uh, neuroscience linguistic PhDs out there listening to this, I know the chances are fairly slim, if not none. However, <laughs> can you explain my brain? Your brain. There'll be like songs on our playlist that have been on for like three years. And he'll be like, oh, yeah, this song. And I'm like, never heard it. And he's like, it's been on our playlist. It plays pretty often. These are the Supper Club playlists, guys. And Which play every fortnight. Oh, honestly, during the, obviously the Supper Club heyday back in London, we're playing twice every fortnight, start to finish, every song. And honestly, your retention rate is like, your hit rate of knowing, <laughs> does this song, was this song there last week or not? Your hit rate is like sub 20%. Yeah, like, I think every... I, actually, every, like, other week, I'd be like, oh, my God, did you add a song, a song to our playlist? And you'd be like... Not again. No, this has been on for two years. It's happened again. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it sounds really new to me right now. <laughs> so I think, I think I just wanted to kind of wrap up this fairly nebulous and wide-reaching discussion on a very, very deep topic. That the, like, the amount of research there is behind this is far more than I'll ever comprehend slash we could ever explain in, like, a single episode of a podcast but I think what I kind of want to take away from our experiences of like speaking a couple of languages is that for me at least and I'm sure it's exactly the same for you it provides a link to our past and a link to our ancestors because without Hindi or Bengali I wouldn't be able to speak to my grandparents I wouldn't be able to form any sort of relationship with them and it's the same for you if you didn't speak Bangla you would not have the depth of relationship you have with, you know, your mum's mum or your dad's mum. Like, it just wouldn't be the same. Yeah. I think we should probably wrap up with the usual, and you know what the usual is. You know what time it is. Oh, no. It is... Condiment Corner! Oh, God. I feel like you really do practice that. Condiment! 
Alright, okay. Corner. <laughs> okay. What is the condiment? I know what the condiment is, but I'm asking you anyway for the benefit of our listeners. Alright, the condiment today is teriyaki sauce. Woo! Not the shop-bought variety, your homemade variety, which I'm going to give you a recipe too. You make it yourself. You don't, you don't buy a teriyaki sauce, you plebs, cook it. Just <laughs> yeah. make your own. Tell it's me. actually not a complicated sauce to make. Tell and me about it. I'm telling you. Oh, sorry, I'm very right. eager. Well, sorry, you've, you've, you've confused my brain now. Um, you don't buy it because the shop-bought variety is actually never as good for this particular instance. Um, I'm not going to say, you know, make your tomato ketchup at home. Although you could do that and it's probably going to be a lot nicer too. Stop buying tomato ketchup, you plebs. Just make I your own... I buy tomato ketchup. Oh, All right, sorry. we're getting sidetracked. Continue. So, teriyaki sauce. Here we go. What you need to make your own glorious teriyaki sauce. Hit Soy me. sauce. Yep. Ideally, a mix of both. So dark and light. And they're not the same thing. Love that. Darkness and sodium all in one. Yeah. So the dark soy sauce is typically for the color. Um, it's not salty if you've ever actually individually tasted it. And the light soy sauce is for the saltiness. It's not really for color. So ideally a mix. But if not, then go with dark, I would say, for this particular one. And you can add a bit of salt because teriyaki sauce is kind of a little bit about like glazing stuff. So you do want that color in it. And then you simmer it very low heat on a pan with sugar honey or mirin um so mirin is almost like a japanese rice wine vinegar um it's very similar to sake but has a lot of lot more sugar content mm. um it's still alcoholic but like way less very alcoholic. sweet isn't it it's quite like syrupy but not like as syrupy as like a honey yeah um so ideally mirin but if you don't have mirin then some just honey um and also some sugar so you need a combination of both mm-hmm. um a little bit of salt if you're not using light soy sauce and then grated ginger and grated garlic what kind of sugar are you using I always use brown sugar. I don't, I only use castor white sugar for like baking cakes and that's pretty much it. Most recipes, as in most recipes that you find for teriyaki require brown sugar. Yeah, brown sugar gives it like that kind of like slightly molasses-y taste. Um, So all you're doing is simmering that in a pan. Um, I, I'm not really going to give amounts because I feel like it entirely depends on how much you're making. You can make a huge jar of it and keep it in the fridge. It's great. Um, and it will last for a long time because it's sugary and salty. Um, but you can also make a tiny little bit and use it for whatever dish you're making. Um, just equal parts of ginger garlic is what I've always done. And then kind of double soy sauce to sugar like content um, pretty much. And simmer it for a little bit get it like slightly you know maple syrupy consistency so not like thick and gloopy mm. runny is good and then that's it when everything's dissolved the ginger and garlic don't smell raw you've got teriyaki sauce and it is beautiful oh we all know what teriyaki sauce goes on i feel like we don't need to teach people how to suck eggs you just you just put it on your veg you put it on your meat you just put it on a barbecue you just have a great time yeah it's brilliant it has that kind of almost smokiness to it um for a little twist on teriyaki sauce you can add a little touch of fish sauce into it um, mm. if you're not vegetarian and it kind of amps up that umami like saltiness even if you're vegetarian live a little no one's going to find out that's not why people are vegetarian correct don't add fish sauce if you're vegetarian yeah don't add fish sauce but if you do want to try like you know a little bit of an oomph into your teriyaki then go with some fish sauce 
and I will love you and leave you with that while I go warm up my dinner. Oh, yep, yeah, sounds great. Is there teriyaki sauce in the dinner? No, there isn't. What? Well, I feel cheated now. But anyway, we'll leave you with that. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. For listening. Bye, guys. Bye. This has been yet another couple podcast recorded by me, Rigel, and Shahini. Engineering by me, Rigel, and Shahini. Editing by, you guessed it, me, Rigel, and Shahini. And sound effects by neither of us. Sound effects courtesy of the Anchor app. Um, and theme tune by me, Rigel. 